Hey, have you guys met my problem? <laughs> How many of y'all met my problem earlier today? I tried to introduce them. I tried really, um, just to let you know, I'm not perfect. I got a problem, all right? Nate, I've shown you out there, I got a problem, and hey, this, how many of y'all have a problem? Any of y'all have a problem? All right, yeah. And, and man, we try to, I've tried this problem getting away. I'm kind of getting used to carrying it. This arm gets a little tired, this one does. Obviously, it didn't get in the way of worship today, did it? Did it get in the way of anybody's worship today? Did, yeah, dude, it was probably blocking your PowerPoint screen, wasn't it? It was kind of annoying, wasn't it? You're like, dude, I'm trying to worship this guy. Would he put the ball, would he put the, it's not a ball, it's a problem, all right? And and so, you know what? We get used to carrying this problem around. We don't think it affects anybody else. In fact, it doesn't really distract anything in the middle of our conversation that we're having, does it, Sabrina? We're trying to focus and we're trying to have a, and it just does not even, you don't even know it's there, do you? All right, because it's our problem and we're used to it. We have no problems, right? Because it's our problem and it's right here. Um, Man, you know what I was hissing, dude? I really was having a hard time trying to worship God with the problem. We were, did you guys listen to the words that we were singing? What a hypocrite for me to be sad, this problem strapped to me while I'm singing about this great hope of taking every one of my sins, taking away all the things holding me back. Man, I felt like such a hypocrite holding this up. But yet so often I got a problem that I'm hanging on to. Anybody identify with that? Come on, man. And it gets in the way. We try not to let it get in the way. We try to hide it. But dude, look, man, it rides with me everywhere. I want you to know I did seatbelting in because it's probably older than 16 and it get, you know, younger than 16 and I'd have to pay the ticket for it. But, you know, I got my problem with me everywhere. How many of y'all take your problem with you everywhere? Right? And sometimes what we want to do, what was your name again? Teresa, sometimes we want to give our problem to somebody else, right? Y'all ever want to give your problem to somebody? And what happens? Oh, heck, yeah, they're giving it back. But no, Bob. (laughs) And it's like, come on, take my problem. And as believers, we're like, yes, man, I'm going to help you through your problem by giving it back to you, (laughs) right? But that's the only relief we have from it, right, Jess? The only relief we have is when somebody takes our problem. But where's our problem really got to go to? He told us, he said, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And, and what Peter, when Peter said that, he said cast, and that Greek word cast means to deposit. It means to deposit. If I deposit this with Sabrina and she gives it back, is that a deposit? No, a deposit is where you put it in and it stays there. And so God says, cast or deposit your cares with him. And we do that during, oh, Lord, here's my problem. I'm giving you my problem. It's yours, Lord. Take it. And how does that feel when we give God our problem? Especially if that problem gets filled with concrete and it gets heavy, right? And and we can't carry it around. But then what do most of us do the minute we say, in Jesus' name, okay, (laughs) and I got my problem again. I don't know. Did any of y'all do that? Do y'all ever do that? Man, and we're supposed to deposit it and leave it right there with them. And when it says, when Peter was saying, cast or deposit all your problems with him because he cares for you in the Greek, that also means it's his job to take your problem. It's not Sabrina's job to take my problem. It's not Sabrina's job to take Chris's problem, who she's married to. And it's not Chris's job to take Sabrina's problem. 
And y'all, y'all hear that in marriage right there? It's not, y'all, yeah, has he given you any problem? <laughs> yeah, it's not your job to take that, right? It's my problem. But God has allowed it in my life. What are some reasons why God has allowed this problem in my life? Help me out. What are some reasons why? What's that? To help us grow, yeah. Because otherwise, we sit on the spiritual couch, laying back, playing spiritual video games, eating spiritual bonbons, and we're like, oh, I'm so spiritual. And God has to grow us. He has to stretch our faith. How much faith does it take to actually give it to him and then take your hands off and leave it there? Yeah, it, I mean, that takes great faith to believe God is one for real. Number two, he's powerful enough. Number three, he's smart enough. Because how many of y'all ever thought God didn't know as much about your business as you do? <laughs> God, I know you're really omniscient. That's one of them theological words there. You know everything. But God, you're really not in that same business I am, right? God, you don't really understand that. You know, I'm just being honest. And so what do we do? We take, it takes great faith to say, God, you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and you are everywhere, and you tell me it's your responsibility to take my problem, and I've got to get away from it. Do you feel that way sometimes? And there it is, and your problem's going, come on, God's not doing nothing with it yet. How many of y'all get upset at that part? How many of y'all get upset when God's like, you look back and you've given him, all right, I've done what the pastor said. I've done what the word of God says. I've done what God said. I've given it to him, but he's not done anything with it yet. How many of y'all get ticked off at that? (laughs) He's not done anything with it. How many of y'all believe God can do anything instantly if he chooses to? So if he hasn't done anything with it, what does that mean? Nothing needs to be done with it. Maybe your faith is not done being stretched yet because you're, you're stretched out here and you, everything in you wants to come back and grab your problem. Oh, 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 oh. And, and God's like, resist, resist to grab your problem. Don't let that bungee cord bring you back. Give it to me and stay. I'm building your strength in all of that. So it's not only for you, but what other reason would God give you that problem? Once you've built the resistance, once you've overcome, and you realize it's his strength, it's power, it's his problem, what now can you do with that of any benefit? Help others, exactly. Apostle Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians, first chapter. Here's Apostle Paul, this is the Eddie paraphrase, said, dude, I cannot wait for God to get me through this, so then I can help you get through it too. Amen? But if you keep going back to your problem, what are you going to be able to teach others? How to go back to their problem, right? What are we teaching our kids? How to go back to your problem and how to handle your problem. What great faith it would be to say, kids, you know what? I don't have a clue. Amen? You ever heard mom and dad say that, Emily? Yeah, you hear that's from me all the time. I don't know what to do. When it comes to God, I play dumb because I am. I have the word of God. I have his promises, and I say, God, if you're speaking and there's something I need to do and I'm not hearing, I give you full permission to speak louder, but right now, you are telling me to wait, to wait with everything I have, not try to manufacture a solution, and if you want me to take another step towards that problem and doing something, I'm willing to do it. I'll put feet to the prayers. But so often, it's God building up my spiritual muscles, holding back from going back to the problem. That's how he builds our faith. And if you keep running back to the problem again, 
what you're doing is you're teaching everybody else to run back to their problem, especially the people that live with you. All right, well, God didn't really work, so we're going to just go do it on our own. God didn't really work. Is that, is that really what you want to teach your kids? That, all right, girls, we're going to study the Bible. We're going to claim to be true. We're going to come to church all the time. And, and, but I just want you to know, we got a time frame on God. Anybody have a time frame on God? <laughs> you got your little timeline? But if, if God, you know, I'm not going to tell you this. We're going to trust God. But really, if God doesn't work out in our timing, we're going to go back and figure out a way to solve it. Is that what you want to teach your kids? Have you ever taught them that? Yes. How many of you ever taught your kids that? Raise your hand and admit you're a sinner. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. We've taught our kids. We've taught the lost world. We've taught people that. And again, the only reason we are here after salvation is to show the world what kingdom children look like. Our eternity, we're already set as we're going to see here in a minute. But again, we've got to give our problem over to God instead of carrying it around everywhere with us. Now, we're getting back into, we're in the next section of Ephesians, so I didn't bring my water hose today. Y'all saw that, right? Because y'all remember the water hose? God is the spigot. The Holy Spirit is the hose. Jesus Christ is the connectors, and we are the nozzle that is supposed to just be blasting people with the love of Christ, right? And we're done with that little section of Paul saying, dude, you want to know what spiritual blessings you have from God? And that's where spiritual blessings can be anything. They just come from God, and God gets to choose when they come and how they come and all that. He said, man, you want to know some spiritual blessings you have right away? Man, you got God the Father who picked you. You've got God the Son who paid for you and redeemed you out of slavery. And you've got the Holy Spirit who preserves you. Now he goes in more depth about that, and he begins praying for the people in Ephesus. And that's what we get to dig into is his prayer in that. And uh, so say goodbye to my friend there. Am I going? All right. All right. So we're starting Paul's prayer. And check this out. In the prison epistles. Oh, let me, I just gave you a Nate, where was Paul when he wrote the book of Ephesians? In prison. No, he was in prison, right? And so he was there and he wrote Ephesians. What else did he write in, in the prison? What are the prison epistles are there? Uh, Colossians. There's Philippians, the book of joy, and Philemon, all right? Uh, he wrote those while he was in prison. What was he in prison for, y'all? Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, Bob, if you ended up in jail today for telling somebody about Jesus or even going to church... Um, would you be able to maybe a little bit look at it as a badge of honor? Uh, or, or would you have the propensity, would you have the ability to actually get a little discouraged over it? Yeah, I think a little bit about how many of y'all think if, if all of a sudden they came in and arrested all of us right now, how many of y'all would be a little bit ticked off? Or a little bit, Yeah. Even though God ordained it and God set it all up, in fact, the Apostle Paul, yeah, how many of you have the ability, how many of y'all think too much? Anybody here think too much? Yeah. And so, Marissa, when you're thinking too much, do, how, do you have the ability to make a mountain out of a molehill? Yeah. And while you're thinking about, about being in prison, it might start out as a badge of honor for Christ. I'm suffering for Christ. And it was like, okay, well, I'm done. It's been two hours. Nobody's bailed me out yet. And it's now two days. Now it's two months. 
Would you think you would have the ability now to be a little maybe discouraged at some point? Even depressed maybe at some point? How about disappointing God? Dude, I did all this for you and look where I'm at right now. Not seeing it from God's perspective. So Paul's going to teach us ways to see life from his perspective so we can help others see it that way. In fact, in Philippians, where the book of joy, where he was in prison also, he said, worry or have anxiety about nothing, but in everything do what? Pray. That's Philippians 4, verse 5, 6, and 7, if you want to write that down and look at it later. So he said, have anxiety over nothing, but pray. So every time anxiety comes, anxiety is this problem. It's here. I'm holding on to it. And, and, and I'm playing catch with it. I'm like trying to live a life. Terry's like, hey, what's wrong, man? I'm like, nothing's wrong at all. I'm okay because this is the way I live life. How many of y'all know somebody like that? They got issues and they don't think they have issues, right? And bam, I'm okay. It's all good. And so he says, when you notice some problem is bringing anxiety in your life, he says, worry about nothing, but instead do what? Prayer now is playing with God. It's giving God your anxiety, not something, oh God, this big problem I have, but oh God, thank you for the sunrise and thank you for dolphins and unicorns with rainbows. And no, that's not it. Take your very problem, the very thing giving you anxiety and start playing catch with God with it. Start playing catch, say, God, here's my problem. And I'm giving it to you. Why are you giving it back? Because we need to talk about it. Because he says in Philippians 4, verse 5, 6, and 7, he says, worry about nothing, but pray about everything with supplication. Do you know what supplication is? Supplication is a grocery list telling God what you like to see. Well, God, I'd like to see you just take this problem and keep it. And God gives it back to me. And I'm like, I told you I'd like to see you take it. And he says, well, you're not, you haven't got what you're supposed to get out of it yet. But you see, it's way better than me in my own head right here. At least I'm getting somewhere. God and I are, he's like, yeah, there's a purpose in it. It's making you more like me. It's for your good. It's for your good. It's for my glory. And guess what? I've got a purpose. And one day there'll be no problems because where's your home? It's in heaven. And are there going to be any problems in heaven? Nada. Nada. You're not even going to be a problem. How many of y'all are your own worst problem? Yeah, you will not even be that in heaven. So he says, with supplication, make your request. And with thanksgiving, all right, God, well, I know I was pretty ticked when we started playing catch, but you know what, God, thank you for this problem because, dude, I miss you, God. You and I, God, we haven't really talked like this in a long time. I have myself in post scheduled where I don't have time to talk with you. So you just kind of created a problem so you and I could talk. Anybody ever see God do that? Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we just stayed walking in fellowship, but he says, worry about nothing or have anxiety over nothing. But in everything, the thing that brings you anxiety, he says, pray, get it out of your own head and play catch with God. Tell him what you'd like to see happen in the matter. How many of y'all ever had a problem and you have no clue what you'd like to have happen? You never even thought about it. You're just like, I just want it gone. And God said, no, there's something great that's gonna come out of it. But unless you start talking to God, you just think it's a problem and it needs to be gone when God wants to do something phenomenal through it. How many of y'all ever had God do something phenomenal through something you wanted gone? And that's what supplication does. Or how many of y'all ever had God talk you out of something stupid? God, if I was neighbors, do it one more time. <laughs> I'm going crazy. I'm going to start a fire. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, God, all right, God, I'm going to let you do it. 
give them a new hairdo with a lightning bolt. And are you allowed to pray to God that way? Yes, you are. He already knows that's in your head. Now, I'm not saying he's going to answer it. I'm not going to say he's answered it, but who better to talk you out of thinking something stupid? Who better, who better at giving you a solution better than the one you came up with on your own? He says, hey, instead of a lightning bolt, how about I give you some flour, some sugar, some an oven, and whatever it takes, make them some cookies. <laughs> that wasn't my idea, God. And he's like, you're going to listen to me or you're going to listen to yourself? I'm like, dang, I'm going to make them some cookies. <laughs> and watch what God does. So he says, man, tell me what you'd like to see happen in the matter, and then thank you. And, that, and, and that's wow, the anxiety is here. God, why should I be thankful for these neighbors? Why should I be? And I'm just picking on neighbors right now. Why should I? Man, when I went, Terry, oh, today. I just, you know what? I don't care. Whatever time I get to church, I get there. That's the way you guys are. I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, man. Dude, I'm going down Indian River Drive, and I've got cruise control. Oh, yes. And I'm just going, set it at 40, which means 37. And I go by every cop in the world that way, unless he's having a bad day. It's all good. And I go to Walton Road. I stop before Walton to take a picture, to take this picture right here. And because God told me to. And when I got up to Walton Road and I stopped, three cars pull off of Walton Road going south on any river drive. And guess what speed they were doing, Terry? Guess what speed they were not doing? They were not even doing 35 on my speedometer, which is 32. They weren't even doing that. I was like, all right, God, why should I be grateful for this? He said, because then you'll have something to preach on. <laughs> no, just <laughs> here's real life. Give me this problem. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, so many times I wanted to pass with no dotted line because there are no dotted lines anymore. No. God even took those away. And I'm just like, all right, God, it's yours. And I started praying for people, man, which is what I'm getting ready to preach on. Prayer is one way to get your mind off of things and get them on the right thing. That's what Paul did in prison with Philippians. I have anxiety. I haven't gotten to see Festus. I haven't gotten to see Caesar yet. I haven't got, God, what's going on? I said, chill. And you know what? We're even told in Philippians why God had to chain Paul up. Why did he have to change Paul up? Anybody? So he could read, yeah, he could spread the gospel to all the people there, but so he could write those four books. Literally, if God didn't throw him in prison, would we have Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philippians, and Philemon? No, because Paul would have been busy going on another missionary journey somewhere, and God said, all right, buddy, I need to slow you down. Boom, I'm slowing you down. And, and Paul's like, I don't want to be slowed down. And God's like, well, tough, I'm in charge. And well, what am I going to do while we slow down? How about you just listen to me? Okay, I'm listening. How about you write down what I tell you? And how about people generations later get something out of it? Amen? But if it's all about you, all about me, that doesn't matter, right? So, man, oh. So, again, Philippians. Paul wrote that in prison. Worry, have anxiety over nothing. But in everything, that anxiety, take it to God. Pray. Play catch with him instead of yourself. And he says, tell him what you'd like to see happen. And God says, no, that's not my plan. And you're like, okay, God, what is your plan? And you work through it. And you say, but God, thank you. Because, man, and ask God, why to be thankful for the next situation that brings you anxiety? Ask him. It could be anything. It could be me preaching right now. 
It could be anything. Just ask him, say, God, why should I be grateful for this situation? And let him tell you nine times out of 10, he's going to make you laugh. I guarantee it. And you're going to be sorry for being an idiot because when you're grateful, everything is, everything's great. And that's what he wants us to do with all of this. But it takes faith. We've got to give it to him and we've got to back off. We've got that bungee cord. We're backing off and it takes strength and he's building our strength. Right now, we might only be able to stand this far away from our problem. But man, how many of y'all used to only be able to stand this far away from your problem? And then now you can stand this far? Anybody grow in your faith? And now you can stand this far? Dude, the world notices, and they want to know how you can do that, and you've got to give him the glory. You know what Paul said at the end of Philippians? I'm not even preaching on Philippians today. I promise I'm going to get to what I'm preaching on here in a minute. But he said, Man, worry about nothing, pray about everything with supplication and thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And look what he says at the next part. He says, then, then, after you've done that, he says, the peace of God. Does that say your problem changes? Nope. Problem don't change one bit. You still got your problem. But he says, the peace of God. Meaning, dude, throw it back. <laughs> Thank you, God. I'm digging this problem right now. This is awesome because you and I are getting close. He said, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You're thinking, when I first started this, I hated this problem. Now, God, all right, God, what do you have to say? Oh, my goodness, look what God just said to me. Yeah, God, what do you think about this? And you start having the peace of God, which passes all understanding. You don't even understand why you're not upset anymore. Have you ever been there where you're worried because you're not worried? That's what a peace of God is, which passes even your understanding. But, dude, Sabrina, you better be worried about that, man. I'd be worrying about that right now. And you're like, I got a peace of God. I'm good. It passes all understanding, especially our own. By guarding our heart, which is where we have desires, and it guards our mind, which is where we figure out how to do and justify what our heart wants to do. He gets our heart and mind right in Christ Jesus. Because the more you hang out with somebody, the more you become like them. Anybody know that? How many of y'all are becoming more like your condo people now since you've been here? <laughs> How many of y'all become more like the people back home when you go back home? You know what I'm saying? We become like the ones we hang out with. So that's why God wants us to hang out with him. So now we go to another prayer that the apostle Paul has in Ephesians. And he wants the Ephesians to know you guys are filthy rich in blessings from God. And as we learned in the last probably two months, spiritual blessings are way better than material blessings. And spiritual blessings can be material, but the, what determines the spiritual blessing is where it comes from. It comes from God. It could be a boat motor. It could be a car. It could be finances you need. It could be peace internally. It could be emotional freedom to not be chained to your problem anymore. But the spiritual blessing comes from God. And he says, man, now I'm going to go a little further. And I, want, I, want you to, I don't want you to be looking for things that you already have. I read, I, I'm going to share this illustration with you. Some dude named Getty. Y'all ever heard of Getty? Really rich dude. I think he was the first billionaire ever back in the day. He just had so much money, he was collecting things. And he's like, oh, I want this famous piece of art Oh, I want these other famous pieces of art. And he sent his guys out to go search the world for these famous pieces of art. His guys went out, spent all kinds of money looking for this famous art. And guess where they found it? Anybody know where they found it? 
in one of his warehouses. <laughs> they found it in one of his warehouses. He had things he wanted that he didn't even know he had. And the guy came back and said, oh, here they are. Now and that's the way Paul is with this next section in Ephesians. He said, Christians, you guys are so often praying for stuff that you think you don't have that you want when you already have it. I'm not asking you, trying to teach you how to get new stuff. I'm trying to tell you how to take advantage of what you already do have in this. And that's where we go in this next part. So to remember, it's going to be three parts here. Give thanks, know God, and grow hope. All right, so help me out. Give thanks, know, and grow hope. Yeah, so there's lots of things we could give, know, and grow, all right? But he wants us to give thanks, know God, and grow hope in this, all right? First part is spend your time thanking God for people. Oh, man, Terry, there are more people in the Treasure Coast than there have been all year long. And what are we supposed to do with all the people who are here? Thank God for them. And we thank God for believers. We thank God for the unbelievers. We spend time thanking God. And, and dude, all of you, uh, uh, Barb and Bill, you guys are back. How long are y'all back for, man? Like, till mayor sometimes, right? Unless God changes it and y'all just stay here, man. Forget that late cabin, man. No, I'm just messing with you. Man, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful you guys are here. Even though it's another truck on the road, I'm thankful. It's also another boat in a slip. It's all good. Um, it's you. I love you. And I'm grateful for that. You guys are leaving tomorrow, right, Bob and Renee? Or Tuesday? Yeah, man. You guys have been clogging up the golf course. I've been seeing the pictures, man. Did y'all, y'all weren't their Facebook friends. You should show, ask them to show you the outfits they wore on the golf course Christmas morning. It was pretty spiffy, right? But we thank God for people. Look what Paul says here. All right. So when you're in prison, Brad, if you were in prison, you think you might, for preaching the gospel, you think you might have a moment where you just get discouraged, depressed, where, where distracted from what your real mission is. Even though God has a mission, you know, we get tired, we, we get down. So that's where God says, when you start thinking too much in your own head, turn it into a conversation with me. This is what Paul's doing. And if you don't know how to pray or what, have you ever just gone, I got to pray, but you don't know what to pray about? Have you ever wanted to pray? And you're just like, well, I don't know what to pray about. I'm not really sure what to pray about. I don't even know how to pray. Maybe that's you. You do have, you have a Holy Spirit, Romans tells us, and the Holy Spirit takes our desires that we can't even utter in words and lifts them up to God in a way that are acceptable. We know that. But it is good to have something to pray for. And so if you want something to pray for, you pray for people. You see your mind thinking about the wrong things right now or thinking about the wrong things? How many of y'all have caught your mind thinking about the wrong thing? Yeah, pray for people. How many of y'all could find a person to pray for? It's not like, oh, all right, my mind's wandering. I'm starting to get discouraged. I'm getting depressed. I'm getting, and, and, and there's nobody around to see. No, dude, go to the beach. Go to the, go to Walmart. Go to Target. Go, there's people. Pray. So look at this. He says, for this reason, uh, and as we're going to get to this, he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all saints, I'm going to read the next part, and then I'll go back and explain that. He says, do not cease to give, I do not cease to give thanks to you for you, remembering you in my prayers. All right, one more time. I butchered that. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, we'll talk about that, and your love towards all the saints, 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And he's giving thanks to God. Hey, if you're going to give, JJ, I'm going back. If, and I'm going to go to that. If, Mac, you're going to give thanks to God for somebody, what is the vessel in which you do that? How do you do that? You have to pray, right? There is, is there any way to give thanks to God for somebody, Alex, without praying? No, you are, it's the act of praying. So how many of y'all have somebody you can give God thanks for or give thanks to God? Yeah. How many of y'all have somebody right now you're saying, no, dude, there ain't nothing to be thankful for that person right now. Y'all were just around your relatives, right? And you're glad Christmas and Thanksgiving only come around once a year, right? You know, but God may want, especially if they're believers, God wants us to give thanks for them. Hey, if they're believers, how, hey, Barb, if they're believers, and I know you don't like to call down church, Barb, but, and you can elbow Bill and he'll answer for you. Barb, if they are believers, how long are you going to be with them? Forever. Wouldn't it be good to get along now? <laughs> Wouldn't it be good to figure out how to love somebody now, especially since we're all believers and we'll be together forever? But he says, for this reason. So he says, I never cease to give thanks for you. So prayer is the key here. Your mind starts wandering. You start getting discouraged. You start thinking about you. Anybody have the little pity parties and think about themselves? You got to get out of that. You get out of your own self. In fact, the world says, no, you love you. Love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody. Y'all know that is a crock of bull from the pit of hell. Do you know that? I don't have any plainer way to say it. That's humanism. It's garbage. Love yourself. And then, because you won't have anything to love anyone else with. No, love doesn't come from you. Where does love come from? God. So God says, no, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then the next thing is he will then cause you to love who? Others. God's the source, dude. God's the source. Gary. You want some good gizzards that aren't like chewing chicken gizzards. I probably don't know Gary and I's little you know, thing here. Man, and it's about time for us to go. You want some good chicken gizzards that, that aren't like eating shoe leather, man? You got to go up to Vero, and you got to go where? Maryland fried chicken up there. That's the only source. Go anywhere else. Hey, if I come over your house today, you got gizzards ready? Hey, Ann, you got some chicken gizzards? No, Ann's like, no, I don't have any chicken gizzards ready. You got to go to the source. The source for love is who? God, God Almighty. You're not the, if you had to find the love in your heart, if you had to manufacture love, how's that working for the world right now? It's okay as long as everybody's doing it the way I want to do it. As long as, as long as they agree with me, as long as everything's going my way, but just start changing things and see how that love starts flowing and not going, right? So he said, man, you got to go, you got to go to God. For this reason, he says, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints. And because of that, I'm giving thanks to God for you all the time. Look what he's saying. He's saying because of your salvation, because you're believers. Here's two things that believers have. You check your own life in it. For this reason, he says, I have heard of your, what's the first one? Faith. There it is. You're giving your problems to the Lord and you're walking away from them. That's faith. He said, I'm watching you do that and it's encouraging me. Paul says, because I got some problems of my own in jail right now. And, and, and every once in a while, I want to go get my problem and make something happen, but I got to walk away and let God take care of it. 
So you're encouraging me, and I'm thanking God for that encouragement, seeing faith in you. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and this is how your faith is materialized. He says, and your love towards the saints. This is other believers, even the ones you don't like. Again, because how long are us believers? Renee, how long, y'all, how long are we going to all be together? Forever. So it don't make no sense trying to avoid people. How many of y'all avoid church people right now? Anybody have some church people you can think of? Like, I ain't getting nowhere near them people, man. I don't want to be anywhere. No, you're going to be with them in heaven, and God may actually make you their roommate. <laughs> but I will get this. You will be perfect then, and they will too, all right? But right now, you can be working on it. But let me ask you a question. So he says, if you have faith in the Lord Jesus, you're going to have love towards all the saints. Now, faith is getting away from your problem and letting who take care of that? God take care of it. So now, guess what? I'm not taking care of. What am I not taking care of right now, Jess? My problem. So I got time for you. What can I do for you? I mean, isn't that the way? That's what's supposed to happen. But if I got my problem, Emma, I got my problem. Hey, Emma, how's it going? Oh, wow. You got any problems, Emma? Hey, let me help you out with my problem. You know, hey, here, hold my problem. We'll help each other. We'll just talk. We'll shove problems back and forth at each other. Hey, or, or guess what? My problem gets so big. Do I even care about Emma? No, because the world sucked me into this mentality that, oh, I got to get rid of my problem first before I can help anybody else with theirs. Why don't we work on it together? Why don't we give it to God and let God take care of it? And as we walk away, now we're free to do what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? You see where the world's got it all backwards? It's what you get for listening to Dr. Phil and Oprah and all of them. And I'm just saying, and he ain't even a doctor now, Oprah said, but I think that's because he's going conservative. I'm not sure of all that. I just hear bits and pieces. But the point is the word of God. The word of God says, man, if you have faith in the Lord that he's got it, don't you have a lot better disposition about yourself and about life and everything when you're not worried about your own problems? Yeah. Chris, what do you like when you're worried about your own problems? Sabrina, what is Chris like when he's worried about? I don't even want you to answer that. When your spouse is worried about their problems, what are they like? What is it like to live with them? You can go back. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wife can answer for me on that. You know? Yeah. And it's like that everywhere. So we don't have to worry about that. So he's saying two things. Man, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord and your love towards the saints, that's how I know you have faith because you're not worried about taking care of yourself. You already know eternity's taken care of. Where's your home? It's in heaven. You're already set, dude. How long are you going to be in heaven? Forever. And when does it start? Yeah, right now it can start as much as you crucify the flesh. But what about when you die? Dude, I was talking to a brother. We have a pastor friend up in Vera who died recently. Like, oh, man, did you hear about that? I'm like, dude, he's home. You think he's upset right now? No. We, we're on the clock for Christ, and when he takes us home, bro, we're, where we're going to be. And it isn't, I'm looking at you guys. Y'all aren't that healthy. It's not going to take that long for y'all to get there. You'll be there soon enough. I say within 100 years. <laughs> How many of y'all think you're going to see Jesus within 50? How about 25? Let me see your hand. Yeah, some of y'all don't believe in car accidents. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but literally, you're not dying until who decides you're dying, Scott? 
He decided your day of birth. Oh, no, the doctor did with a C-section. No, God hooked his schedule up. It's all good. I'm just saying he decides when you're born, when you die. It's all up to him. When you're done, you're done. And then you're perfect if you have him in a perfect place with perfect people. And you don't have that right now because I'm here. <laughs> so he said, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, your, and it's manifested in your love towards all the saints. You're not so worried about your own junk. You're taking care of everyone else. You're just loving others. Who would you like to see come knocking on your door? Who would you like to see come and knocking on your door? Someone who every time they knock, they need something? Sometimes, and that's what we do as believers. You're going to see this. Or how about somebody that just loves you? <laughs> Isn't that pretty cool? You know, be that person. That's what he says, man. I heard of, and, and I'm not saying don't share your junk with others. Don't get comfort from, we need Jesus in the skin. Don't get this wrong. But man, he says, man, when you've got faith, you now have time to be helping other people. And there's going to be times where you don't have faith and you're going to need some people with faith to come help you, right? But while you, you build your faith and you try to stay being that person, but you won't be forever until you get to heaven. Look at this next part. He said, because I see you guys building your faith, listening to what I preached. Sure, uh, man, I see you putting it into action. He says, I do not cease. What does that mean? I do not cease. Dude, so how often is he doing this? Whatever he's getting ready to do. Always, every time he thinks about it. Maybe every time he thinks about the wrong thing even. He said, I do not cease to what? Give thanks. Because when you're grateful, everything is, is great. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my what? Right, because you cannot give thanks to God for somebody without praying. You can't. So if I were to say, oh, how many of y'all give thanks to God for different people? We even hear, man, give thanks to God for, for all the, the, the fellowship of believers that, that we have here. I, I, man, I do too, Marissa. But man, if we really give, give thanks to God, we're praying. And you know what? When that dude was doing less than 35 today, guess what I was doing? I was, look, I, I, I was giving thanks. I was seeing all your faces. <laughs> I'm looking at the faces. Some of y'all, I never met your face. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't pray for y'all this morning. But I'm giving you guys thanks right now because you're, man, God brought you here. Man, but most of you, dude, I saw your faces. Bob, Ann, I saw you. I didn't see your face. So I'm giving him thanks now. And guess what? While I was doing that, did I, was I looking at my speedometer? only little glances, all right? And so I chose when to have peace and not have peace, right? In fact, Peter and James loosely quoted Proverbs by saying, you'll have perfect peace when you keep your mind focused on him. You got to keep that mind focused, and prayer is a way Paul is saying, do it. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. How many of y'all can look around right now and say, I got a few people I can pray for in here? Look around, look around. And if y'all ain't got nobody pray, pray for me. I told you, y'all want better messages, man? Y'all pray for me. It's your fault. I'm just kidding. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> and y'all have been. Thank you. At least I think you have. But man, he says, I don't cease to give thanks to you for you, remembering you in my prayers. So dude, when you're getting discouraged, when you're getting down, you're getting depressed, you're getting distracted with the problem in this, start praying for other people and give thanks to God for them. 
Maybe you don't know why to give thanks. Middle of the night, when I'm snoring, Linda. God, why should I be grateful for my husband snoring right now? When your baby's up in the middle of the night, doing whatever they do in the middle of the night, and I got a few things I could say, but man, why should I be grateful for this? Ask God why to be grateful and let him give you reason to give thanks because when you're grateful, everything's great. And that's what he says. That's how Paul got through prison. That's how Paul got through life. And that's what he's sharing with us. So number one, pray for people, thanking God for them. But now how many of y'all know some of the people that you can thank God for may need a little bit more work? (laughs) They ain't quite arrived yet, right? They need a little more work. What's the best thing that you could pray for, for anyone? Here it is, for them to know more intimately God Almighty. You understand, you can pray for that for anybody. You can pray for that for lost people. You can pray for that for saved people. You pray for that for the most spiritual people you know in your life, that they would know God more intimately. You don't have anything to pray for? Thank God for them and say, now, God, I'd probably thank more if they got to know you better. (laughs) Hey, let me ask you a question. Whose image are we made in? God's image. So the more we know God, the more we know about our image and how we really do work. Because again, Oprah and Dr. Phil and all the, they probably aren't even on anymore. Springer's still on. I'm just like, I haven't watched TV in so long. I'm just saying, we learn our sociology from all this secular garbage when in reality, we're made in the image of, who's made in the image of God? Everyone, even lost people, people, human beings are made in the image of God. Just lost people don't have the ability to pull that off without the Holy Spirit in them. You do. Man, so if you want to know more about who you are, who you're supposed to be, how life is supposed to work, man, know God. The world says, know yourself. The God says, no, know me. I'll make it all. The more you know God, read the Bible that way. Bible's not about you. It's about God. The more you know about God, the more you know what your true identity is. Pray for them to know God more intimately. Look at this next verse that the God, here's what he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation so you can just amaze people and have giant crowds and tell people the future. Is that what he says? Is that why he wants to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation? So everybody goes, whoa, man, you're deep. You're really smart. How'd you figure? Well, I put this together, this together. No, dude. Look what he says, man may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. It's all about knowing God, man. You know God. And how many of y'all, what happens when we know God more? We love him more. I mean, we only love him because he first loved us. You had to know that. And the more you know about God, the more awesome you see he is, the more you want to be like him where you can be, which is what he says. Because And that's what heaven's going to be about. You're going to be like him. And so, again, man, if you could know him now, that's the key. Doesn't that simplify things? We got to know about so many things. I mean, <laughs> not to bring up sore spot, but... Man, we've been flattening the curve for what? <laughs> three years now, going on three years, supposed to be 15 days, remember? And how many variants? And they're going to run out of, just like hurricanes, run out of Greek alphabet names and whatever. I got to know about each one. No, dude, I got to know about God. I got to know about God. And I'm not cracking on, I'm not addressing any of that in any political way. I'm just saying we got to know about God. 
he says in Matthew 6, if you seek first, seek always, seek only. And I like how you remembered that in your, in your little like blurb you did. Seek first, seek only, seek always the kingdom of God. And what he reveals to you, you do, which is his righteousness. What gets added to you? Everything. And if everything's added to you, is there anything left to be added? So what's the key to life? To seek who? Him always, only in every situation. Seek first, seek always, seek only. And everything's added. Now, if you still think you got room for something after God's given you everything, you go for it. But I think you're mistaken. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation to reveal to you who God is. When it talks about the spirit of wisdom, how many of y'all have a favorite team? You got some team spirit. Anybody here? Terry, I know it's hard when you like the Cowboys and Yankees. They used to be good, and now it's like, oh, you hate the Cowboys? But Yankees, right? And it's been hard. But team spirit, do if they got a chance at World Series, who are you rooting for? The Yankees. You might even put your Yankee hat on, right? How many of y'all got a team? Mac, you got cheeseheads, right? You are Wisconsin. Isn't that like, yeah, old Marissa's like, whoa, look at the team spirit. Did y'all see that? How many of y'all else are cheeseheads here? Any other cheeseheads? Oh, look, look at the smile. Look at this dude's face right there. That's the spirit. That is what we're talking. I, I mentioned cheeseheads and Mac raised his hand and all of a sudden Marissa's like, whoo, cheese curds, Culver's. Yeah, baby, it's all there. And then he's like, oh, I know it. You look at their faces. Look at their faces. They have that team spirit. What are they thinking about right now? Dude, Culver's. They're thinking about the Green Bay Packers. They're thinking about, I don't know what else y'all have there. Huh? Oh, the ba- oh, that's college. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but we don't have that anymore in Florida. We lost all our teams. But anyways, but, but look, all that team spirit. Do you see how fired up they got about that? About a team. And, and that is, uh, many of you probably have your own thing. You know, around disc golf, I play disc golf now, and you find people play disc golf like, oh, yeah, dude, I was throwing my bus 300 yards, and I got a, I got a destroyer like an Anheuser. Everybody's like, yeah, that's the team spirit when people start talking about things that they can relate to, right? And what he's saying is, man, I know it's capitalized, but it's not a definite article in the Greek, so it could be the Spirit of God, which we know is where we're getting it from. Other translations, the King James, yours might be a little different um, in that, but it's really talking about the Spirit of wisdom. Dude, we're talking about Green Bay. What do y'all want to talk about now? Dude, everything in Wisconsin, right? Look at Marissa's face. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Marissa, stand up, show them your face, man. Look, look, no, smile. You can't even hold it in. That's what he's saying. He, Paul is praying, dude, let that person that I am thankful for be so stoked about knowing God. And, and wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Man, if we had the same team spirit about knowing God as we do about the Patriots. Any Patriot fans in here? Oh, yeah, right away. You're, how many of y'all are waiting for me to say your team? I can't possibly. Yeah. Man, I, I remember Terry, the, the uh, oh, it wasn't the Alabama game. It was the... Uh, Oh, the Georgia game. He's like, yeah, all my family's from Michigan. They're big blue fans, but it's going to be a blowout. So, like, But if Michigan won, woo, you know, you, you notice nobody's wearing Florida State, Florida, or Miami gear, right? Just because there's no spirit right now. That's what, oh, wait. Oh, that's because you go there. Yeah, that's not about football. It's about horses and veterinary stuff, right? <laughs> all right. But listen, man, he said, 
I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, God and the Lord Jesus Christ are one and the same. The Father of glory, all glory, anything glorious, anything supernatural comes from that Father. He is the source. I am praying that He gives you a spirit for wisdom and knowledge about God the way you have about a football team or a hobby that you are so stoked. As soon as you hear somebody talk about God, you perk up and you're like, as soon as there's an opportunity to hear about God, you perk up. Man, I'm praying for that spirit and that you will have greater knowledge about God. How many of y'all have ever been there? Where, dude, you were so hungry for him. And I'm not gonna ask you who's not because check this out. What is Paul bragging on the Ephesians for in the very first verse, the very first part about their faith and their faith materialized into what? Love for others. A couple decades later, when John writes to the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation, he said, dude, you guys are killing it. You're doctrinally sound. Man, nobody's tweaking the Bible on you. But I have this one thing against you. What was it? Dude, you lost your first love. Look what happened. The very thing Paul is praising them for, saying, God, oh my goodness, you love God and you love people. That's awesome. You have the greatest doctrine and you're implementing it through the power of the Holy Spirit and you're loving people. The very thing, not more than a couple decades later, he said, yeah, y'all still got that great doctrine, but you ain't got a lick of love, man. You've, you've kind of materialized. You've kind of pharisaically put it together. You've kind of like, you, it goes together. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. You have rules, God's rules, you have no relationship with him because you love him, he calls you to love others, and all it's all about is rules, that's rebellion. If you're on the other end, which is modern theology today, you got no theology, but you got relationship. Oh, I love God, and I love everybody, and I love, and I, we define what love is, and everything goes. That's no rules. God makes the rules. You got a relationship, and if you got no rules from God, that's rebellion. You got to have God's truth and you got to have God's love. And if you're lacking in one of those, which how many of y'all are more of a, I'm just going to take a, take a poll here. How many of y'all are more like, man, skip the rules, dude. I'm just going to love people. And that's okay. Cause half of you are going to be one, half of you are the other. You should be married to the opposite. All right. So how many of y'all are, are a love person and the rules can, yeah, I'm kind of, they're guidelines, right? Yeah, rules. All right. So how many of y'all are sticklers for rules like my wife? No, I'm just <laughs> How many of y'all are like, rules, this is the rules, this is the rules. And it's only because I love you that I'm nailing you in the head with these rules, right? Yeah. But you need, which one do you need? You need them both. That's why God puts, how many did God put opposites together in here in a marriage? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know my wife. She's the rule keeper. That, but, but yeah. That's both of you. Which one of your parents is necessary, Selma? Both of them, because they bring balance. And that's what he's talking about in this. We have that balance. He said, man, I'm thanking God for this balance. So look at this. All right. So number one, what was number one again? Do you remember? Pray for people and give thanks for them. That's what we're supposed to do. You want to know what to pray about? Pray. Um, spend your time thanking God for people. Thank you, JJ. I'm not used to that. Why come Selma's not doing this? Is she like retiring? Oh, she's taking a break today. Okay. Dude, you are the pro and you are awesome. JJ's like confusing me, but I'm going to get used to his style. I'm just used to you. You're awesome. You're not leaving me, are you? Okay. All right. All right. Spend your time thanking God for people. Number two, pray for them to know God more intimately. If you want to know what to pray for somebody for, 
pray that they would know God more intimately. That's the greatest prayer you can have. And then number three, this is it. Pray that their hope will grow. Again, how long can you live without hope? You can't. You can't, man. How long can you live without air? They say three minutes for the average person, right? Diver, maybe a little longer, especially if, you know, yeah. So three minutes. They say you can live, what, three, uh, three days, I want to say, without water? And then maybe, what, three weeks without food? I don't know. Dude, I had one of them big lizards. And I tried to divert. Y'all know them big green, them big blue and orange lizards, man? Yeah, the blue agamas. Well, we were leaving on vacation. I had an empty trash can. It sounded like a middle schooler in it, man. I'm like, what the? Raccoon. I look in there, and I'm like, and it was a big blue agama. And he was around the bottom, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. What should I do? Oh, yeah, I should have killed it. but Because they are invasive species, all right? I'm just going to tell you. But I was apathetic. I just kind of left it there to kind of starve on its own and die. <laughs> I, that was not my thought process. But that's really what I did, right? I left it there in the trash can. I said, oh, I'm going on vacation. It couldn't get out of the trash can because it had claws, man. And, and, and it was like, and it slowed down like, well, maybe it's dead. I just didn't want to deal with it, all right? And, and, and then I got back after being gone a week, dude. And I look in it, and it's like a different color now. It's, not, it's lost its blues and oranges, and it's down there. And I'm like, God, I shake it, and it didn't move. I'm like, I think it might be dead now. So I go to dump it, and the thing goes, shoo, took off running. That has nothing to do with this. I just, like, got diverted, had to tell you, maybe you have a spiritual application for it. Maybe you know how better to pray for me. <laughs> I just didn't want to deal with it. But anyways, and maybe somebody's got an application. But anyways, that lizard, I do have an application. That lizard never lost hope. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was there for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Dude, had hope, man. Don't lose hope. You die without hope. That's where you get discouraged. That's why your hope has to be renewed. And what is our blessed hope? What is the blessed hope? Help me out. Yeah, the, 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 the second coming and the rapture before it, our blessed hope is God's plan. So this week, we're going to dive a little bit right here, super quick. We're going to touch on what God's plan is because it gives us hope. And, and, and then you're going to see the rest of the plan materialize in this next part of the prayer next week. But man, watch this plan that gives us hope. This is why we come to church. Not to check some box, say, hey, God, I went to church. Now bless me. No, dude, we get hope from the plan that God has, not for our life here only, but the plan we have forever. Look what this says. We pray that their hope will grow. You want to pray for me, man? First, give God thanks for me. And, and, and if you don't know how, ask him. Ask God to, to help me become more intimately uh, intimate with him, to know him in a more intimate way, and pray that my hope will grow. Because can you imagine if I came up here with no hope? <laughs> if I came up here to give you guys hope and I had no hope? Well, Julie... <laughs> I heard there's another corona out there now, and, you know, and I don't know. Economy's tanking. Hey, Julie, I don't know, man. You might as well just go sell your property, go hide somewhere. I don't, I, is that? No. Dude, God, nothing is happening without God ordaining. Is God's plan right on schedule? Is God's plan right on track? 
And are you a viable part of God's plan? Are you a valuable part of God's plan? You bet you are. And if you're not, you need to give your life to Christ if he's giving you that desire because it's a pretty cool plan to be a part of, amen? So look at this next part. Having the eyes of your heart in light. Isn't that cool? The eyes of your heart. You know what? Some people have eyes and some people have heart. <laughs> you know, eyes are like, you see stuff. Oh, I see that, but you got no heart. You're cold. You don't see from God's respect. You just look at what you see. You put it together. Say, well, God gave me logic. There it is. Boop, 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 boop. You know, and you're just that person. When in reality, your eyes need to be connected to your spiritual heart where God needs to interpret what you are seeing. And, oh, yeah, well, here's what's happening. I can see that, duh. But what does God want you to do with it? Why is God exposing you to it? Do you think there's accidents? Every single encounter is a divine encounter. You need God's eyes. He's praying, say, God, man, have their spiritual eyes and heart start working together. In fact, in the New Living Translation, it says, let their eyes be flooded. <laughs> it says, let yourself be, let them be flooded. So he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. In other words, everything you see, you see it from whose perspective? And then that way, when somebody comes to you, whether they're lost, saved, indifferent, whether they're discouraged, depressed, or they're on a spiritual high, how, what can you help them do now, Barb? See life from God's perspective. But you can't see it if you're not seeing it that way. So what a great thing to pray for people. Have the eyes of your heart enlightened. In other words, whatever you see, let it go down into your heart and let God, with all of your being, show you what he wants you to do with what you just saw. And then there's people who have no eyes for their heart. How many of y'all have no eyes for your heart? You're just an emotional jellyfish, right? You know, you see some, oh, look at this. I, every need has my name on it. Every need I see has my name. I got to fix this. I got to fix this. Oh, you know, or oh, I bleed for this and bleed for that. You got to have spiritual eyes and a spiritual heart. You need God to open your eyes to know what to do with what you're feeling in your heart. And if you feel nothing in your heart, man, then that, what a great thing to pray for somebody for. Because there are times where we go through periods of life where our heart is hard, is it not? So, man, what a great thing to pray. Let the eyes of their heart be enlightened. Whether the problem is with their eyes or it's with their heart, what a great prayer. Have the eyes of your heart, let them be enlightened. Why? That you may know what is the what? The hope. We don't all have individual hopes. There's one hope. <laughs> it's our blessed hope. Look what he says, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Ultimately, what is, he called? What is the hope that he's called us to? Ultimately, we have a home where? In heaven. Anybody looking forward to that? And in heaven, we're going to be perfect. Anybody looking forward to that? Can you imagine your mom and dad being perfect? Are you looking forward? Are they imperfect now? They're pretty close, right? All right, tell me the truth, Jules. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking for it? Would that not be awesome living in a home with perfect parents? Yeah, and then you being a perfect kid? We're, we're way off target, aren't we, right now? Yeah, and all things, uh, in all of this. But man, look what he says, man. That's our hope. Our hope is, our home is heaven. Y'all believe that? Our hope is that we're perfect. Our hope is that God is perfect, and we know all these things. But we're going to be there forever. That's our blessed hope. And beyond heaven? What about before heaven? Anybody looking forward to anything before heaven? 
I'm looking forward to a thousand years reigning with Christ on a perfect earth. I'm looking forward to enjoying this earth the way it was before the curse for a thousand years with him reigning and us helping him reign. Anybody looking for anything before that thousand years? Mac, you looking for anything before that thousand years? You're looking forward to a thousand years? Hey, Captain Mac, you know, in your glorified body, which you don't have anymore, you're pretty close, but in that, in that glorified body, Captain Mac, can you take whatever boat you want right there and go just explore the seven seas for me and make sure it's all good? You think you handle that? Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, that's what he's going to, that's what we're going to be doing, dude. Whatever he wants us to do, we're going to be reigning with him. Prior to the thousand years, is anybody looking forward to anything? Anybody looking forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, dude? Any of y'all like to eat like me? I'm just, I mean, I'm sure there's food, but can you imagine the marriage party where we as the bride are going to be united with Christ as the groom? Anybody looking forward to that? And then what about before the marriage supper of the Lamb? Anybody looking forward to anything before there? I'll give you a hint, MFI guys. What are y'all looking forward to doing? Flying. Is anybody here looking forward to flying in the rapture? Yeah. So what about before the rapture? Is anybody looking forward to anything else? No, just kill me now. That's it. (laughs) Are you not looking forward to what God has for you next? That's our blessed hope. It starts with right now and goes all the way through to heaven. Boom, 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 boom. We're supposed to be looking forward. That's our hope, and we encourage each other with it. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And who's the only one who can enlighten the eyes of your heart? God, I can't do it. It'd be temper. It's a cheerleader thing. Pep rally. And you walk out of here like, whatever. You might be that way now. I don't know. But, uh, but literally, it's God that's got to do it. Why do we pray. We talk to God and ask him to enlighten the eyes of people's hearts. So we're thankful for them. God, man, I'm so thankful for Jeff because he brought Jason. <laughs> huh? Jacob. Jake, who's getting baptized you know? And, and, and dude, who are you? Oh my goodness. In splash camp one year, are you the one I put peanut butter in your hair? Holy smoke, dude. Man, we were at splash camp and I took jiffy crunchy peanut. I still feel it to this day, man. I took peanut butter and I was talking about how God, the word stick in the, in the Hebrew, it means stuck, it means stuck to. And I, but took peanut butter, and I gave him the most awesome mohawk. And it took a while to get that out of your hair, didn't it? <laughs> that was the point. But anyways, dude, good to see you, bro. Hope in everything that we do. So, man, have God open the eyes of our heart, enlighten the eyes of our heart so that we will know the hope. God can help us know the hope to which he's called you. Well, I got this big old problem right now. I guess there's no hope. No! What do you want to do? To, why have you called me to handle this problem right now? Not carry it around. Not to, oh, well, I guess that's already full. I can't put anything else in there. But why? Oh, JJ, we just messed it up. Why? Why? Why did God give me this problem? Again, we talked about the beginning. So he can grow my faith and he, I can become more like him and he can get the glory. However that looks, whatever that looks like. So, man, we... we we need our eye, the eyes of our heart enlightened so that we can know that we have hope to which he's called us right now and later, the entire plan. Amy, how much of, God, how much of your life does God have planned? 
All of it. See, I gave you an easy question. You're like, oh, no, one of them theological ones. Now, all of it, he's got all of it planned. You mean from right now all the way through eternity, it's planned? Yes. And we need him to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so we can be stoked about that plan. Amen? And he said, uh, and we're going to finish this. You notice there's a comma at the end. We'll do that next week. Um, To which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, again, we'll talk about this again next week, but here's the plan again. And I end right here with this, okay? You are God's inheritance because <laughs> you're Christ's inheritance. He's also our inheritance. So the best way to explain is going back to this again. Before God ever created a universe, They made a plan. They had perfect harmony. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they, according to me, would be a harebrained idea, but they know best. And they decided to create who? Yeah, and you're pretty messed up, aren't you? Yeah, Jess, you you messed up? How about you, Jimmy? Back then, he said, I'm going to create this dude named Jimmy Garland, man. He's going to be messed up, dude. And, and, And he created all these messed up people. Anybody qualify? Yep. Okay, and here we are, and, and they said, now at some point, what Christ you're going to do is I'm giving him to you as a gift. Re- go read the book of John, go read around 14, 16, 17, where Jesus said, all the ones you've given me, all the ones you've given me, all the ones, that's why he's looking forward to the cross, so that he could take the next step, and God the Father said, here they are, these are yours, and Jesus is like, yes, because Jesus would go to the cross looking forward to what they'd planned before the beginning of time, and he would start the process of salvation and making it possible for you to become like him. And that's what he did at the cross. He took the box of all the messed up people God gave him to set to the cross and he saved us. Jacob, that's what he did. He saved you, bro. You're in that box of messed up people. Yeah. Amen. And, and so that's salvation. But then as we live our life, that is now sanctification. As we walk in the spirit, as we obey what he wants us to do, as we have fellowship and intimacy with him, like people should be praying for us to have, we're becoming more like him. But are we ever going to be perfect, Gary? Not on this planet. You're about as close as they get right now. Yeah, you just lied in church, girl. But thank you for going along with that. And then at glorification, at glorification, that's when he takes you to heaven. That's at the very end of all of this. You become perfect. And guess what Jesus does with the whole box of messed up people that have now been saved and been perfected? Now they're not messed up. They're perfect people. What does Jesus do with the whole box of perfect people? Gives them back to God. Is Jesus excited to give this gift? Yes, he's excited. And is God excited to get the gift? Dude, can you believe God is so excited to get you? He is, without a doubt, because of what makes you so valuable is what he's invested in you. And we come back, and can you imagine again, this is what I always think about. I think about God ripping open that package, and here I am, and I'm going, ha ha! And he's like, yes, there's an Eddie in there! Woo! There's a Terry, there's a Karen! Woo! A Bob and Ann! Oh, and he goes through all the stories of everything he's done in our life. Man, what a glorious day brings him glory. You are God's gift to God, and God is is our gift. Man, I just, I'm speechless. (laughs) What are the, that's what he's talking about, that are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, you. Man, 
So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Instead of getting distracted, getting discouraged, getting depressed, getting in a little funk, all those things. Oh, I put on extra weight over Christmas. So did I. Oh, I was talking about me. (laughs) You know, instead of getting all messed up in that, pray. You can pray for yourself, play catch with your problems with God like we talked about. But pray for others. Just look around and start thanking God for others. God, thank you that that person in front of me driving so slow and I'm right on their rear end doesn't slam their brakes on and make me run into them. God, thank you they slammed their brakes on and let me run into them. I don't know what you just protected me from. I don't know, dude. I'm just saying thank God for people, especially other believers. If you don't know why to thank God for other believers, ask him. And then start praying for them. Pray they become more like him, that they know him better. And pray that their hope increases. Because you can you imagine if we're all around a bunch of people that have a hope in Christ, what that's like? That certainly isn't like turning on the news, is it? There's no hope in the world right now. And God has left us here to bring them hope. But we have to help each other with that hope and encourage each other and pray for each other to have that hope. And then it all works out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Um, if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ and they don't have that hope, they don't know that if the rapture happens, they're flying. They don't know that when the world goes through tribulation that they're going to be going through a marriage supper of the Lamb uh, because they're part of the bride of Christ. They don't know that... um, that in the millennial kingdom, that they're going to be enjoying this perfect earth and not be in hell. They don't know where their final destiny is. They have hope, they just, but they don't even know what their hope is in. Father, I pray if there's somebody that is not sure, just like if I was driving around Alabama like I was last week, and I, if I'm not sure where I'm going, I'm lost. Father, if someone's lost today because they don't know, they're not sure where they're going, give them a desire They can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you. And then through that, give them faith to believe that what Christ did on the cross is more than sufficient to pay for their sins and take them away and give them a home in heaven forever. Father, help them just trust and believe that you're going to change their desires. You're going to life's going to be better. They're not going to have to carry their problems around. They're going to have to just become more intimate with you. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here that doesn't know that they're saved, they would first of all admit they're lost. And if they have any desire to surrender themselves to you, that today would be the day they do it. Realizing that desire is like the wind. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know when it's leaving, but we know when it's there and that desire is there right now. For us, Father, I pray instead of letting our minds wander, instead of letting problems get to us, Father, I pray we would turn to prayer. And we would hang out with you. We would thank you for people that you put in our lives. We would pray for people to be more intimate with you and understand you more intimately because then we would understand each other more intimately and we would pray that each person would be filled with hope so they could fill this world with hope not hope in another political system not hope in another currency not hope 
in another shot, not hope in anything except a hope in you because you've got it all planned out. Help us see that even though we're such a small piece of that plan, we're such a valuable piece of that plan and we're privileged to be part of that plan that's way bigger than us. So help us live like we're part of that plan. I pray for these things in Jesus' name.